It's time. Yay. Welcome to another wonderful Sunday night here at Samanka. <laughs> it's great to see everyone. Glad you're here. Um, I'm going to do a piece on Romans 8, focusing on your more than conquerors. And uh, but Romans 8 is a fascinating uh, text because we it's a really encouraging, uplifting one. So I want to go through that. But as always, we're going to start in prayer because that's what we do around here. And uh, then we'll jump right into it. So why don't you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for time to talk about your word. It's so exciting that we get to get to read it. And the Holy Spirit informs us of it. And we get to kind of discuss it and chew on it and make sure that we understand what it means to our lives. So thank you for that, Lord. It's uh, your word is a delight to us. Lord, I just ask that uh, uh, you bless these women that are here. Uh, they are just awesome. They are such a big part of Lisa's of my life that we just thank you for the blessing they are for us. And we ask, Lord, that it is your words they hear tonight, not mine, but yours, and that you have a word for somebody. Somebody here will uh, be, be touched and encouraged by what we're going to talk about. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now I close my eyes and more people show up. I'm going to do that again. <laughs> so Romans 8, I'm going to read it to you. It's a, long, it's a longer chapter, but you got to understand what's happening here. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Now think about Rome. Rome has got all of these, these uh, emperors, right? And there's different ones that go through the period from, from Jesus' time uh, through the end of John's time. So you're talking roughly... 100 years. Uh, and Rome wasn't very popular for Christians. Christians were treated really badly, especially when you get to Domination and Nero, uh, Caligula, some of these guys that were really anti-Christian. Um, matter of fact, uh, there was Christians and lions. You remember the games? They would throw Christians in against lions, and uh, that didn't work out well for the Christians. Um, Nero uh, actually used to light Christians on fire and put them on the sides of streets to use them as lampposts. And so uh, Rome was not a very comfortable place to be a Christian. And Paul is writing to this small church that he started in Rome, and he's trying to encourage them. So the book of Romans really outlines the entire um, process of church. If you want to know how church is supposed to work, you read Romans. But in Romans 8, he wants to encourage them. And uh, it, it's, for me, one of the most important books of Scripture. It's it's when you're having those moments where you're feeling disconnected from God, you don't think that he loves you, you don't, you're not comfortable in the faith, you're just really wondering about everything. Romans 8 is where you go. And so I'm going to read a little bit of Romans 8 tonight. Actually, I'm going to read all of Romans 8, you lucky people. Um, I'm going to even try to pronounce the big words. And so here we go, Romans 8. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can stop there. There's no condemnation for you when you accept the Lord. Right? For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So you're free. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So he's saying what's great about it is because of what Jesus has done, we are completely clean. The law can never make you clean. Because you can just kept on having to sacrifice, right? Then he says this, For God has done what the law is weak and cannot do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemns sin in the flesh. So there's no sin anymore. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled. Which means those who, you know, when we sin, there has to be punishment. And, and Jesus took the punishment, so the law was fulfilled. Jesus says, I don't come to abolish the law, I come to fulfill it. I'm making sure that the punishment that was meant for us is taken. And so now we're not guilty. Uh, who walk not according to flesh, but according to spirit. It's supposed to walk in the spirit, not the flesh. Remember we talked about that? You're made up of the mind, the body, and the spirit, and we're supposed to be in the spirit, not the others, right? 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. This is really hard. So when you're of the Spirit, you've got to be thinking about heavenly things and how God would want you to do it. When you're not in the Spirit, you think about what your body wants. You know, ooh, shiny. Let's get it. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. So shiny things equal death. If all you want is material stuff and worldly things, don't look at me like that, Lisa. Lisa's giving me the, the, the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi right now. I can't believe she did that right in the middle of my sermon. It's so hard to be a preacher. I just want to let you know that. Set your mind on flesh things. If all you want to do is satisfy and satiate yourself with the world, that's death. You're not going to have spiritual life. Okay? But set the mind on the spirit. That's life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. So if you're out, you know, we, we sometimes look at unbelievers and we're like, wow, what's wrong with these guys? They can't. They can't submit to God. It's not that they won't. They can't because they're blinded by Satan and they, they don't know the truth yet. That's why we got to share the, the love of Christ with them, right? Um, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Again, this whole idea of mind, body, spirit. When I die, I, did, I had a funeral last week, and I was telling the, the family, when we die, yeah, our body and our mind return to the dust. But our spirit, our perfected spirit, goes to heaven because we're not we're not bodies with a spirit we're spirits with a body and that's a really big important point and that's what Paul's telling you here uh, la, 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 la. you however are not in the flesh but the spirit says okay if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you do you know that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you right well he will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in you. You're going to have eternal life too. God's raised you from the dead. Oh, it's so awesome. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. And remember, we talked about how Paul said, if I sin, it's not me sinning, it's the sin in me. He acknowledged that his body and his mind were sinful. You know, that's the flesh. But his spirit was perfected. And we walk and live by the spirit. And God judges us by our heart and the spirit. And that's why when we're in front of God right now, we're seen as holy and righteous in his sight. It's cool. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God's and daughters. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Oh, here's that part. What do you mean suffer with him? I thought we were doing good. Right? Well, we're in this world. This world's got trouble. We're going to suffer here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So Paul's saying, I've suffered. They've tried to kill him. They've arrested him. They, they you know, at the end... You know, he, he, he's beheaded, right, in Rome, right? He doesn't think any of the suffering he's going through is anything compared to what eternity is going to be. He says, for the creation waits an eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So creation is just 
really eager for this new heaven, new earth, and all of us to be perfected. For the creation was subje subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom and glory for the children of God. It's like, Paul, can you speak English? What he's saying is, when the world fell, it wasn't just man that fell, all of creation fell. All of creation fell. And it's been waiting and waiting and waiting for Jesus to come back and make everything new, the same way we have, right? Because the new heaven, new earth, it's going oh, to be incredible. You know, think of the best place you've ever been, and that's nothing compared to what everything's going to be, right? <clears throat> for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who are the, have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. We're just passing through, folks, right? If you're comfortable in this world, ooh, i got to talk to you afterwards. We shouldn't be comfortable in this world. We don't belong here. Heaven's our home. We're citizens of heaven. We don't belong here. So when you're comfortable in this place, something's going on, right? And, and God wants you to be uncomfortable. He wants you to share the good news because our home is heaven. Our home is not here. And that's what Paul is really convolutedly saying here. For in this hope we are saved. We, now we hope. Uh, now hope that is seen is not hope for what who. Blah, 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 blah. For who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. So he's saying, you don't hope for something you have. I don't hope I have a Bible. I got one. Yeah. I, I hope I win the lottery because I'm never going to do that because uh, I don't actually play. You hope for things you don't see. right? And, and we talked about faith being, being certain of those things you hope for. right? The unseen. And so he's kind of... When you read Paul, if you read all his letters together, you can see kind of how he ties all his ideas together here. So he's, he's, he's tying that idea in there. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Ooh, that's good, because I'm weak. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself intercedes for us, groaning too deep for words. Ever been in that place where you're just so broken you don't even know what to say to God? The only words out of your mouth are help. But the Holy Spirit in you is groaning and talking to God because he knows exactly what you need. So even in those times you don't know what to pray, take hope because Holy Spirit's praying for you. And, and Jesus sees you as interceding for you. You're never alone. Isn't that the coolest thing? I always lose my place. All right. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. So those of us that are in the faith, no matter what happens to us, God's going to turn that around and, and for the good of the kingdom. And it's going to be awesome. For those who, whom he foreknew, God knew you before you were born. He knew your name. He knew the choices you'd make. He knew at some point you'd come to Christ, right? He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. So he knew that you were going to pick Jesus, and he says, I'm going to turn you into the likeness of Christ. And when I start a good project, I don't stop till it's finished. Right? That's so cool. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. So Paul says, I saw you before you were born. I knew your name. I knew you were going to choose me. I, you're going to become like Christ. Right? And, and 
I'm going to justify you. You're not guilty. You're, you're going to be sanctified and told apart. You're going to be different. And I'm going to glorify you. Now, I want you to think about heaven right now. Your spirit is really already sitting in the heavenlies, is what scripture says. God sees you as these, these perfect spirits. And he glorifies you. God himself is singing over you. The angels are rejoicing over you right this second. Woo! Let's go! What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him gracelessly give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who's going to charge you guys? Nobody. You're, there's no condemnation for you. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is it? The right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So let's say I charge Lisa with something. Jesus is going to go, Tom, shut up. She's mine. No one can charge her with anything. Oh, so good. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Can any of the worldly things separate you from Jesus? No. It says, for it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. So in the worldly sense, it looks like we're just being, you know, steamrolled. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! That is the most encouraging piece of scripture. Because in it, there are seven promises. Got to wrap my book up. There are seven promises. And I want to go through what these seven things say before I get to the meat of what I'm going to say in 15 minutes. <laughs> so, in Romans 8, Paul's assuring us of different things. Okay, and let me go through what he assures us of. First, he says, the God works everything for the good of those who love him. All of us in the room have been through things. Everyone's got a story, right? And some of those things are ugly and bad. And evil's happened to us, or we've done evil, or whatever it might be. But God's going to work those things for the good of those who love him. Now, that's important. Because if you love God, you're going to do your best to align with his will and do things his way. I, if you say, I love God, but don't do anything his way, you know, it's hard to get there. Hard to get there. And how can God do something good for you if you're rebelling still? But when you, and it doesn't mean you're perfect, it doesn't mean you're striving. You really, want to, you really want to do it his way. And when you align with God's will and you get closer and closer and closer, what happens is the things of your past, God will use to bless. There's an old saying that says your greatest ministry comes from your greatest pain. So I want you to think about your greatest pain right now. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's you were sexually abused. Maybe it was um, drugs. Maybe it was uh, abuse in a family, whatever it was. Losing kids, whatever. We've all experienced a lot of pain. How is God going to turn that into a ministry? Well, if you align with them, he is going to make these divine appointments that are weird. You just keep running into people that you get to pour into. It's like, why are all these crazies around me? 
When I first met Lisa, it was really funny because um, I'm kind of the guy that collects the land of misfit toys. And, and she's like, why do all these weird people come to you? Because I'm weird. <laughs> you know, it kind of takes one to know one. I'm, I'm, they, they see me. I'm like them. Right? It's like veterans. We find each other in a room. We always know who each other are. Same with those of us that are broken. We find each other. And that's a divine appointment. That's not happenstance. That, that's not like we have crazy radar. It's, it's God says, I want you together. Because you have experiences to help each other. And if you allow me to work in your life, I will allow you to pour into others. Because I've healed you and now you can help heal others. That is, I think, the biggest blessing you can ever have from the Lord. That he will take your mess and turn it into something beautiful. Right? Beauty from ashes, as scripture says. But then it's not just yours. You have to share it. So he's going to do that. That's an assurance. This is a promise. This isn't like, you know, maybe if you do it, maybe you get it, maybe you won't. This, this is an assurance. Second assurance. God is determined to fulfill his purpose for you. He started a good work in you and he will complete it. Sometimes you feel like, you know, I've gotten this far and I can't do anymore. Or I'm backsliding or, you know, I'm, I'm going backwards, I'm not going forward. Whatever he started in you, he will complete. Now here's the beauty of it. How many of you think you get in God's way? Okay, you want to know something? You're not that powerful. <laughs> you are not that powerful. You can't get in God's way. God's plan will come to fruition. Now, you may have fits and starts and make it harder on yourself, right? You may get in the place where God's got to kind of bring you back into the guardrails, and that's never fun. But you're never going to be able to thwart his plan to complete the work in you that he started because God is God and you're not. Isn't that the coolest thing? Even you can't screw it up. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> the believer is glorified. Another assurance. Now, remember when Jesus was transformed on the mountain? He's got he's got John and and uh, uh, James and Paul with him, or Peter with him, and they're on the mountain. And Jesus is hanging out there with Moses and Elijah, and they're all glowing and, and glorified. That's you. That's you right now. God sees you in your glory. He doesn't see you in your sin. He doesn't see you in your, in your mess. He doesn't see you in your mind. He doesn't see you in your flesh. He sees you in your spirit because of Jesus. And so no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter how many times you screwed up today, how many times you sinned, how many times you had a bad thought, no matter how many times you did whatever, how many times you relapsed, how many times you had to get back on the horse, whatever it is, God sees you in your spirit and glorifies you. And he walks with you in your trouble. God acts for the believer. He doesn't just sit idly by. You know, there's this idea that God is a watchmaker, they used to say. And he, he set the watch, set the alarm, and just walked off and said, okay, when, when the alarm goes off, I'll check the cookies. <laughs> That's not how God is. He's active in your life every moment of every day. Now, we don't see it a lot of times. You know why? We're not looking for it. You don't, you don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit. You don't know how to look for the Holy Spirit. You don't know how to look for those God moments to see those divine appointments, all these things. But even now, God's working for you. You know how? You're hearing about Romans 8. <laughs> Some of you probably need to hear Romans 8 tonight. And this is not happenstance. God, God aligns these things. God does this. I don't do this. God tells me what to do, and I just do what he tells me. And it's not for me. It's for you. Someone here needed to hear Romans 8 tonight. Isn't that cool that he knew that? Ooh. Now, the very beginning, he says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not judged on your performance anymore. 
you're judged on Jesus' performance. Let me say that again. You're not judged on your performance anymore. You're judged on Jesus' performance. As those of us in the faith who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what we have said is, I'm bad. <laughs> I suck. I need a Savior. And Jesus says, gotcha. And now, God, when he looks at me, he doesn't see my mess. He sees Jesus. Because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. And there's no condemnation for me. Isn't that cool? Could you imagine? Can you imagine? I don't think I could do that with somebody. But God's like, there's no condemnation. Yeah, you're going to screw up. I know that. But your spirits are perfect. And that's what he's worried about. Woo! How about this one? Jesus loves you. Always. Non-conditional. No matter what. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. Period. Period. Now, I know some of you in here, a couple, two or three of you, and I know you've had ups and downs and rounds and rounds, right? And even during your downs and your rounds and rounds, he loved you just as much when you were up. Nothing changed. Now, you didn't love you maybe as much as you, you did during your ups versus your downs and rounds and rounds, but God never changes. He's consistent. When he loves you, he loves you. And nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. Ever. No matter how hard you try. <laughs> and then Jesus protects us within our circumstances. Um, if you read the Bible, you see these people go through horrible things. And we read about the martyrs and you think, where was God? I think when I was a kid and going through child abuse, I'm like, where is God in all this? Mom's in a nursing home, paralyzed. Where is God in all of this? Because you, you go to church and you hear these platitudes about God loves you and, you know, he's going to protect you and I'm getting beat up in foster homes. I'm like, this doesn't seem like protection to me. You can get very cynical about God when you have real life experiences. But then I thought one day, how much worse could it have been <laughs> if the Holy Spirit wasn't intervening, wasn't holding back sin, wasn't having a plan to prosper me? And how could I even have the ministry I have if I hadn't gone through those things to help others. And so sometimes you need a little perspective. Your circumstance, your circumstances, your circumstances. Sometimes it's caused by other people. Sometimes it's caused by yourself. But God is with you in them. You know, Daniel went into the lion's den. It's there that Jesus, or yeah, Jesus closed the mouths of the, of the lions, right? He didn't keep them out of the lion's den. And so we have to have perspective about that, which gets us to the point I want to make in six minutes. I love these 30-minute things. Whew, I could do this for hours. But you're so lucky I only get 30 minutes. Scripture tells us that we are more than conquerors. The Greek word for conqueror is hupernikio. And it means a decisive victory. Vanquishing beyond anything. It doesn't mean that you just win. It means you crush your enemy. You absolutely obliterate them. Okay? And Scripture says we are more than that. We are more than obliterating our enemy. Who's our enemy? Satan's our enemy, right? We don't, our, fight, our fight's not against flesh and blood. It's against these principalities and evilness and all that stuff out there. And we are told that in, because of Christ loving us, because we are covered by his blood, because we are holy and righteous, because we are spirits, because we are glorified, because of all these assurances I just read to you, we are 
conquerors. We are Conan the Barbarian. It's great, right? We, we get to go out there and, and we get to beat Satan every day. And I've told you ladies this before, but I want you to really take me seriously. Every morning when you wake up and your feet hit the floor, Satan should say, oh crap, she's up. And that should be your attitude. Because you are more than conquerors. And what are you conquering? Let me go through this. It said trouble, struggle, trials, temptation, suffering, and affliction. We conquer that through Christ. We go through it. We have it. But we come out the other side, don't we? Let me ask you a question. Have you survived 100% of what you've been through? <laughs> You're all in here. <laughs> Chances are good you'll survive the next thing, too. Because we are more than conquerors. We can vanquish the enemy no matter when he comes. It says we conquer hardship, to suffer anguish, trouble, strain, agony, not knowing which way to turn or what to do. Have you ever been just so lost, you're just like, I don't even know what to do at this moment? Yeah, yeah. Ever been suicidal? Don't answer that. Ever done cutting? Don't answer that. Ever drunk yourself into blackout because, don't answer that. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We can overcome anything. Through the love of Christ, when we accept that we're going to align ourselves with God and God's will, and we're going to strive, are we going to be perfect? No, we're going to, we're going to do this thing. But the more you strive to align, you're going to find the more blessings you get because God's going to use that mess for his purpose, for his kingdom, to bless you so you can bless others. And you're going to be a conqueror, no matter your circumstances. Persecution. First one is being abused. Don't answer that, but there's many of us who have been. Mocked, ridiculed, shamed. We've been humiliated, isn't that the best? Mistreated, ignored, neglected, harassed, attacked, or injured. We are more than conquerors. We can get through those things because... At the end of the day, it's Christ. Paul made this great line. He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that means when I'm alive, I get to be an ambassador of Jesus himself, and I get to share the love of Christ with people. But to die is gain because I get heaven. I get eternity. So in our lives, if you take that simple line, to live is Christ, to die is gain, and that's how you live, who can harm you? Who, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Nobody can harm us. Okay, let's go to the next one. Because even if you die, it's gain. You end up in the heavenlies. You end up in home. Woo! I can't wait. Famine, have no food. Ever been in without food? I have. It sucks. But I'm, here I am. I don't look like I missed a meal in a while. Nakedness, stripped of all clothes, earthly comforts to bear, having all earthly possessions taken away. I had that happen. My dad um, would write hot checks and uh, not pay rent and stuff. And I would come home after school and you get one of those renter locks on your things. Remember those things? And all your stuff's gone. Remember one time we moved from Chicago to California and dad didn't pay the, the uh, Benkins or Beakers truck, whatever that big company is. And all our stuff just like disappeared. <laughs> I had that happen multiple times. And uh, that's why I like that's why I like so much stuff nowadays. <laughs> Got to tell my wife that yeah. <laughs> little marriage thing. <laughs> Jesus saw through it, and materially, I couldn't be more set. Why? Because God's plan was God's plan. 
and I'm a hoarder. <laughs> danger to be exposed to the most severe risk, to be confronted with the most terrible dangers. To have one's body, you're laughing too hard. To have one's body exposed to danger, all of us have been in danger. Right? And it even traumatizes us, get PTSD, all the stuff. We get all that because our mind isn't really set up for that. But what gives me comfort is two things. God's justice, whoever abused me will, will get what they earned. And I'm okay. When I take a big, deep breath and can have perspective and I can discern the truth from the half lies Satan is telling me, I'm okay. Because of the love of Christ. And sometimes you just need to do that, is take a deep breath and go, what's the truth? What's the half-truth, half-lie thing that Satan's trying to tell me? Where am I with God? Did anybody take me from the arms of God? Did, is anybody nailing me to a cross? I don't think so. I think I'm okay. And then lastly, the sword, to be killed or suffer martyrdom. There's a book out there called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And it's the most fascinating book to me because it goes through all the martyrs in the Christian faith and how they went bravely and even eagerly. And they didn't cry out, and they didn't really suffer, because the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them in such a way that they endured. Now, it's hard for us to believe that, you know, the pain, we're all, we're all scared of pain. You know, none of us fear dying, you know, being dead. We all fear the process of dying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we do, and it just is. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I've seen a lot of people die lately. And what I've seen, for a lot of the folks I know, is they go into this little death coma thing. Right? And it's peaceful sleep. And then they just stop breathing. And God takes them home. Now, some people get car accidents and other things. You know, you don't, you don't, we don't know how it's going to happen. I'm going to be working out in the dojo and just collapse, I guess. But... We don't have to fear that. Our last breath here is our first breath there. And we don't have to fear the process because I got a feeling that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon us in such a way that it won't matter. Because none of us, I, well, actually, I died once, so I kind of know what happens. But uh, if you've not had that death experience, it's very scary. But Jesus overcame death, didn't he? And he says, I've defeated death. There is no death for those who are in Christ Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whomever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You're immortal. You are glorified spirits. You are wonderful people. You are deeply loved by God. He will never let you out of his hand no matter how stupid you are. <laughs> right? And we can rejoice in the promises of Roman 8. Because Paul's telling us this is how it really is. And so when people say, you know, how can you be excited about a God you can't see? Woo! This tells me. This tells me about all the promises he gives me. And my spirit confirms it with the Holy Spirit that it's true. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I hope that gives you some encouragement tonight. <laughs>